You're listening to the Purpose Driven Person Podcast. This podcast is made for leaders unwilling to give up their desires to be purpose driven. Guys, I made this show for a compass for you to have more purpose in leadership through four concepts creation, communication, collaboration, and connection in both business and in life. My name is Matthew Leland Cox. I'm the founder of Never Give Up Youth Healing Center, Never Give Up Wellness Center, and Never Give Up Foundation. You can find me at MatthewLelandCox.com. Are you ready? Well, let's do this. Hey guys, welcome to the show again. I'm excited for this week. This show is one of my favorite shows. I've always said a coach needs a coach, and so I bought my own personal coach onto the show, Jay Malincheck. Did I say it right, James? You got it, man. Oh, man, I had to speak for the show. Well, James, <laughs> welcome to the show. We're excited to have you. I always had that saying. What do you think about that saying? A coach needs a coach or a mentor needs a mentor. What do you think? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Without a doubt. I mean, if you look at the most successful people in the world, you look at the wealthiest people in the world, everybody's got coaches. You take the best golfer, they've got a putting coach, they've got a short game coach, they've got a long game coach, right? You take, um, you know, I've done some stuff with Michael Jordan, and you look at Michael, and he's got a shooting coach, he's got a defensive coach, you know, he's got a mental coach, he's got a coach that works him out in the uh, weight room, he's got a nutritionist, they're all coaches, you know, so think about this, if the best in the world at what they do, at their craft, look at musicians, right, I mean, look at actors, actresses, right, I um, had Anthony Hopkins, Sir Anthony Hopkins at one of my events, my uh, Big Money Speaker boot camp, and I had him on stage, and I asked him, I said, hey, you have, you don't still have coaches, right, I mean, you've been acting for 40 years, and he goes, no, I don't have a coach, I have seven coaches, you know, and so if you look at the best in the world at their craft, um, everybody has coaches. If you think of yourself growing up, right, if you played Little League Baseball, you had a coach. If you were a cheerleader, you had a coach. If you were in band, you had a coach, a.k.a. a teacher, right? And so we go through growing up having coaches and mentors and then we get to adulthood and we figure okay I got it I'm good I don't need anybody else to help me I mean it just it blows my mind when people think they're going to be better and achieve more which you can but you'll you'll achieve like that if you want to make quantum leaps you know you can't do it on your own you can't be a silo you can't be a lone wolf you've got to be around people who see things that you don't see because you're too far into the forest you can't see the trees yeah, you know, I think it, it, it's it been great having you as a coach because I've always coached other people. And and so, you know, we, we said, you know, we're the, we make the worst coach coaching people being coached. It's it's really hard to, um, you know, let that uh, openness be there because that I think that's the one thing I've learned as being a coach. You have to be coachable. Oh, yeah. And the biggest thing I remember playing college soccer, um, I had a really good coach. He would come in. He'd take me aside and he'd say, Cox, stop being stubborn and listen to what I'm saying. I say, okay, coach, I will. And then when I actually did what he was trying to tell me to do, it worked. You know, it worked because like you said, you can't see the tree through the forest because when you're out on the field and you played uh, college basketball, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. And you, when you're in the moment, that's why a coach is watching everything. He's seeing sure. weaknesses. He's, he's kind of there. 
So I want everybody to understand a little bit more in depth if they're not used to who James is. Tell them a little of your background. You have your shirt on, big money speaker. I was sporting my hat earlier. Yeah, I saw I like the picture with the hat. <laughs> <laughs> Give us a little yes. background. Well, so I grew up in a very tiny steel mill town outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, population of about 6,000 great folks. Um, we didn't have much growing up. Dad worked in the steel mill as a railroad conductor hauling scrap you know, on the driving the trains and hauling scrap and coal. And mom was a lunch mother serving lunches at the school to us kids. And so like a lot of kids, I had big dreams and big goals. And I thought that one of the ways to achieve those would be to leave the small town, right? Nothing against it, but I had some big aspirations. So I accepted a basketball scholarship to the University of Cincinnati out of uh, high school to play college basketball. And then my coach, got relieved of his duties. That's a nice way to say fired. <laughs> and uh, I transferred and I went and played out at the University of Hawaii at Hilo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember, Matt, it was uh, Christmas Day and I couldn't play because I injured my knee and the team was gone and mom called me up because she felt so bad. I was by myself. You know, there's nobody on campus. I'm by myself on Christmas Day. And as the phone was ringing, I was putting my hand on the doorknob to turn it to go outside to the beach. <laughs> right? And here she is calling from Pittsburgh in like eight inches of snow. So I'm like, we're not on high. So I, I graduated from college, moved to Los Angeles, started my career as a stockbroker, used to manage uh, the investments of celebrities and entertainers and all kind of athletes. My office was on uh, Rodeo Drive in Beverly Hills, right across from the Regent Beverly Wilshire Hotel. And because of some success at a very young age, I started getting asked to speak. And I was like, well, what do you, what do you want to talk, speak? What do you mean? I mean? What are you talking about? I don't, well, we want you to come and just tell our folks how you stay motivated or how you built your business. And I said, but I don't do that. And, and the guy said, well, I, but I'll pay you $5,000 to talk for an hour. And I said, I speak. <laughs> and you're like, I do that. I was like, yeah. And that was the start of my speaking career. Now I've done over 3,000 wow. presentations. I've done uh, 2,000 one-on-one coaching consulting um, sessions, and I've written now, let's say, 22 books, but I just finished three more, so 25 books. So um, just very blessed. And uh, But the thing is, I'm a business guy who got into this world. I'm not a person that woke up one day and said, hey, I want to go motivate people. No, I came from a business background and really came into it to, uh, starting off teaching people business. So, you know, I, I, I think you're scenario. You missed one piece on their ABC. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. Well, uh, I'm very blessed to have uh, been approached by ABC television and was featured on the hit ABC TV, TV show, Secret Millionaire. A lot of the times why I skip over it is because I've done 15,000 plus different media, you know, over my career. It all kind of everything from Simmons, Family Jewels, Rocker Gene Simmons was on his reality TV show as a guest. One time I was on the Hour Power television show with the Crystal Cathedral Christian Church and, you know, all over. So, uh, yeah, it just all kind of blurs together. But, yeah, I was very honored to be on ABC's primetime hit TV show, Secret Millionaire. Seen by now, this is crazy, Matt. I just heard this um, by over 50 million people. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Like, yeah. I'm just a steel mill town kid. Yeah, well, that, that's the thing is we don't realize what could happen. If you, like you said, somebody came and said, hey, James, speak for $5,000, it changed your whole direction. I didn't even know that you could speak. 
Yeah. You know, and, and actually, and one of the things you alluded to it earlier, and that's kind of one of the things now I forgot to mention, that's what this is, Big Money Speaker, mm -hmm. is um, trying to teach people the business side of speak, being a speaker, coach, author, consultant, because a lot of times we get focused on the first side, which is, well, I have a message, I have a story, I have how-to advice, I have information, and most folks fail in the industry because they don't realize there's a flip side to the coin. Okay, and it's called the business. Actually, if you think about this, this is this logo is a coin. Mm, I, like that. I didn't think of that. Yeah, because I always say, and you've heard me say this, huh? that you know, there's a flip side to the coin. You got the message, and then over here you got the business. And so that's kind of what I do now. And I have courses and website, bigmoneyspeaker.com and seminars. And that's how you and I originally met, through yeah. Big Money Speaker at some point. Well, you know, I, I'll tell that side is my friend calls me and goes, hey, do you want to go listen to this James guy? He lives in Henderson. <laughs> and I was, uh, you know, I have a brick and mortar, a few brick and mortar businesses. Uh, and I was like, well, I don't know if I have time. And he goes, well, yeah. hey, we'll split it. You pay 500, I'll pay. Five. I was like, I, I want to pay. Why do I want to pay 500 to go see that? <laughs> and, but I did it. And um, I was grateful because, you know, I was that mindset of a speaker. I have a message mm. to share. Everybody just wants to hear it. Uh, yeah. But what I can tell you right now is I've learned the business side of it from you. And I appreciate that because it's changed my mindset of looking at how speaking works. Well, everything we do in any business, there's two sides of the coin, right? If you have a restaurant, right? On the one side, you're serving people and making their lives better by giving them joy, giving them food, having a great experience when they come out to your restaurant. But most restaurants go out of business because they don't understand the flip side of the coin. How do I get people to actually walk in and pick my restaurant over the other 22 in the street? And how do I keep them coming in, right? And how do I increase revenue? And that's, it's the same for a dry cleaning store. It's the same for a speaker, a person who wrote a book. They write a book and say, man, I got this great message. And then 5,000 of them are sitting in their garage because nobody bought one, right? And so there's that flip side of the coin. How do we get people to know about us how do we get people to invest in our our products or services and what we do so that's that's what big money speakers it's the flip side of the coin yeah and i think a lot of them have you tell me your thoughts when you do get speakers in there do you see like do they catch that because i think for a minute i had to go ah it was like an aha moment for me i was like going wow i'm doing this totally backwards i got a position i got a brand i got to make sure that yes i have a message but if they don't, if I don't get in front of anybody, I can't get paid. <laughs> it's like the old commercial, right? Oh, damn, I could have had a V8, right? Remember that? Like when the, the people hit themselves in the head, like they drink the juice and they go, oh, boom. Like it was like the wake up. And, and that's what in the last, gosh, 17 years, I think, mm -hmm. of this stuff, that is, and by the way, that is my biggest thrill. When I see the light bulbs go off in people's eyes or like the, ugh, the V8 moment, right? Because now I see that they have hope, right? And like, oh, okay, wait a minute. I was just missing a piece, right? Like you can have a combination to a lock, right? And it has, let's say, five numbers. And you can have four numbers, but if you don't have that fifth number, the lock's not going to open. I don't care how tall you are, short you are, rich you are, poor you are, how successful you are. I don't care if you're, you know, where you came from. So it's the same when it comes to speaking and being a consultant and running a business that if you're missing the other piece, the business, 
right? The lock can't open. No. Yeah, it might a little bit, but it's gonna it's gonna be so much better. Not even half the way better. It's gonna be like ninety nine point nine 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 percent better, faster, and increased revenue when you understand the business side of it. And the thing I want to say also, Matt, is that a lot of people get freaked out by the whole flip side of the coin, the business, right? Mm -hmm. Um, because I'm marketing and I don't want to seem icky and I don't want people to like, you know, look at me and go, Ooh, right. <laughs> and I say, look, marketing is not something you do to people. It's something you do for people. Yes. Because if you have great value, if you believe in what you do and you believe it does what I call aim, A M E add value, make a difference in rich people's lives, then you should want everybody to know about what you do. Mm -hmm. And all you're really doing when it comes to the business side and marketing is you're letting people know that you exist, the value you can bring, the benefits you can bring to them or the pain you can help them get out of. And hey, here's a great deal for you to get in on this and have it help you and change your life. That's really what we're doing. So that's the biggest thrill when I see like a, what you call non-marketer or non-business person who, who grasps the concept and has the V8 moment. Oh, okay. I get it. And then they go out and they actually do it and it works for them. And that's the biggest thrill. Yeah, no, I think it, I wish I would have had that information years ago. Cause I remember I started speaking, I started doing a lot of speeches and it was, yeah. it was the old mindset. If I just speak for free, I'll, I'll finally break into you. Remember that the mindset? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You I speak, did that when I started. <laughs> yeah. Speaker coaches will tell you that, right? You got to do oh, yeah. speak for free. And, and I did a lot around LA Burbank. And then my first big one was five grand in uh, Oklahoma. Oh, wow. It was to all the, it was a whole bunch of principals and, and administrators, but I didn't, you know, what you're talking about, which I hope people are listening. I didn't leverage the business side because I right. finally started breaking into it, getting paid, but I didn't know how to leverage it. I didn't know yeah. where to go. Yeah. So for example, like, let's say you worked with an agency who brought you into Oklahoma, right? Mm hmm you know, the way I would do it and what I teach folks now is, okay, well, if this person in this position has a budget and they're in Oklahoma, there's probably 49 other people in all the other states who have a similar position with a similar budget. Let me talk to the Oklahoma person and ask her if she were trying to reach the other 49 folks, how would she go about finding them? Yep. And times out of 10, they'll hand you a directory or they'll say, yeah, we're on a listserv together. And now all of a sudden she becomes your apostle for you yep. and opens the door to these other great folks so that you can share with them the value you bring. And oh, by the way, take a look or talk to Lorraine in Oklahoma and ask her because we just did this for her. And then all of a sudden now you're speaking in 49 other states and it literally costs you nothing to market, if you will. There are no ads or anything. It's like an email or an introduction uh, through a directory or something. So and you're, the business. You're, you're a ninja with this because you uh, even with your clients, you ask for referrals. Oh, yeah, all the time, all the time. In fact, so here's another flip side of the coin, right? Um, it should be a part of your speaking contract. So like a provision in the contract states that, you know, because we always have like an agreement, right? Like you're going to show up at this time, you're going to present for this long, they're going to pay you this amount of money, it's going to be in this location. You know, it's like a one page agreement, but no one ever thought, and I really think with integrity, I can say this, and I don't know for sure, but I can, I think I can say I pioneered this because I came up with this for myself 
20 years ago, because I just started trying to think of all these ways. How do I get more business from people who are already happy customers and clients? And, you know, I said, well, I got to ask for referrals. I'm like, yeah, but nobody gives them when you ask, right? Because here's the way you're taught to ask. Hey, who do you know who, right? Or, hey, we appreciate referrals. And I'm always like, well, no kidding. I would think you would, right? But that's how you're taught by experts to ask. And it never works, never works. So somehow I was looking at an agreement one time, a contract for something, and I realized that, you know, these things that I agreed to with the, it wasn't a speaking con, it was for something else. But these things that I agreed to, I, that was in writing in a con, I always delivered on for people. And I thought, oh, there was my V8 moment. What if I put a provision in my speaking contract that if the program is satisfactory, client agrees to give speaker the names and contact information of at least two people who whose groups may benefit from by having the speaker present there. And then people, when they started to sign the contract, they realized that's just part of doing the deal, that they would always start sending two referrals. And so now when I follow up with the referrals, hey, Joe, you don't know me, but uh, your friend Matthew Cox over in Las Vegas just had me speak for his group, and he shared your name with uh, me, thought that my program might benefit your kids or benefit your you know, salespeople or whoever you're calling, right? And I just wanted to see if we could chat for a minute. And by the way, feel free to send you know, Matthew an email or give him a call, because I just spoke for him yesterday, literally. And I'd love to just explore how we might be able to team up and bring the same value to your folks. And it's crazy, Matt, how like people just started booking me on the spot, right? Because it was a, a warm introduction. There was a, there was a triangle at work. There was me, there was the person, you, and then there was the mutual contact of both of us for the next booking. Yep. And so it, it became a slam dunk, the book. And that, that's not being weird or cheesy it's just thinking from a business standpoint and that's what i call flip side of the coin and i like that flip side see if i was a young speaker if i would have known that when i go to principals they would love it and i would get these ripple down (laughs) effects they would kind of refer me to friends but i didn't know this ninja trick because if i would have i would have been a lot more busier if i would yeah and and the way i would have done it back then i mean now now i'm like now like (laughs) <laughs> Why don't you do this? <laughs> right? But um, if the principal liked me, I, I would, there's another thing I always say, here's another flip side of the coin, right? Well, Mr. Principal, are there any principal associations that you are a member of? And he would always say National Association of Secondary School Principals, right? Oh, yeah. Right? So, and uh, do you know anybody um, who is on the committee for their one of their conferences because I'd really love to chat with them to see if I can maybe present uh, a workshop or something at one of their com- one of the conferences so that more principals like you could know that I exist and, and the value that we can bring to their students in their school and it would be crazy how they would say oh well I'm actually on the committee but here's what's here's what I mean by the business part right they never thought about that. You did an amazing presentation. You rocked the house, the educators, the students, the principal, everybody loved you, but it never dawned on them, man, we should get Matthew to speak at our national conference so that every principal can know about him. See, they're not thinking that way, right? Nothing wrong with them. That's just not the way our brain's wired, right? So I always, 
I always use this little slogan, you have to teach people how to give you money. Mm-hmm. And you have to teach people how to open doors for you because that's not the way we think. Like a principal doesn't wake up and say, hmm, all right, let's get everybody come together. Let's have a meeting today on all the ways we can help Matthew Cox. Nope. Right? They just don't think that way. So you have to stimulate that. And, and then next thing you know, here you are, you're going to be speaking at the National Association of Secondary School Principals. You're going to be doing a breakout. And there's going to be 82 principals in your breakout. And now half of them are going to book you. And there's 40 schools you're going to now. Yeah. All because you learn the flip side, the business of, hey, how do I take this one great talk and leverage the person who brought me in to open more doors? That's what I mean by the flip side of the coin. I love the flip side. And, you know, as, as uh, I want to get two more things in here before we jump off is this. Yeah. Um, you had the pleasure. We're talking about schools. Your first part of your career, you did a lot of colleges. You were, you yeah. were on the speaking circuit. I do remember one of the times when we were at our masterminds, you said you would cross paths with like David, uh, Adam Sandler, all those guys because oh, yeah. they were yeah. on the circuit at the time. Yeah, um, so yeah. Tell us about your road um, where you went across and you spoke to how many schools? You, you went on a road trip? Oh, gosh. Well, so in my, let's start with my career. I would think I've probably done about 1,500 college talks and university talks over the uh, career. Uh, actually, I'm very blessed to be two-time National College Speaker of the Year. And I always say this because I, I really want to crystallize this. It, it wasn't because I was a phenomenal presenter or orator. Right? It was because, I really believe this, that I spoke at so many different schools, more than most of the other folks who were up for the Speaker of the Year, that because I spoke at so many more schools, I had so many more votes than everybody else, which if you think about it, it was the business side that led to being speaker of the year twice by two different organizations. And so a lot of times when you hear like a, a, an award was given to someone, you think it was because of their talent, right? And it wasn't because of my talent. I was a good speaker. But there are way better speakers than me on the college and university circuit. It was because I was doing 100, 150 different talks different schools a year. And I honestly think I just had so many more votes than everybody else because I visited more campuses, right? So, but there was a stretch where, here, I'll give you a great stat. Back around 9-11, okay, I was flying to uh, Tallahassee, Florida uh, while the first plane hit the um, Trade Center. And I was going to speak at Florida State University and they brought us down really I'd say about 40 minutes early. I mean, the, the pilot must have been, you know, just going fast, right? Because we came down 40 minutes early, had no idea. You know, we were, I was like, wow, we're 40 minutes early. Get off the plane. There's nobody there. This is back in the day when you used to be able to meet people at the gate, right? You didn't have to stay on the other side of the metal detectors. And there's nobody around. I'm like, this is weird. Like, there's nobody in this airport. And then, so we're all walking down off the plane. Go, we go around the corner to go to the uh, baggage claim. And as we go around the corner, I mean, hundreds of, of police and SWAT people coming with rifles. Just, you know, like, to, I mean, it was, I was like, what the heck? Like, totally freaking me out, right? And then I saw up on the TV the monitor with one of the trade centers on fire. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the capital. That, that's why it's all crazy here, right? And so... My talk that night was canceled because of 9-11 at Florida State, understandably, right? But then I had all these other colleges and universities booked 
for the remainder of September, okay, for about three weeks roughly. And so I called every single one of them to see, hey, are we canceling? What are we doing? And, and here's what they all said, with the exception of Florida State that was that night. Hey, if you're willing to come, we think our students and faculty need to hear an uplifting message with what's going on. So if, if you can make it, it will be great to have you here. And so I sort of felt like it was my patriotic duty to make it work. And Matt, I drove, I rented a van. Fortunately, I was one of the people who was able to get a, a van. Because remember, people were renting cars home across country and all the cars were gone. I was fortunate that I had a car because I had one reserved when I landed it in Tallahassee. So I upgraded to a van, right? And, and so I figured if I got to drive, right? I have a van I can sleep in because I don't, who knows what's going on with hotels and all that. I drove six, this is one of my proudest moments as a speaker, okay? Talk about the, the first side of the coin, the making a difference part. I drove 6,000 miles in three weeks wow. to make it to all of the talks. I didn't miss any of them and they were so super cool. Some of them adjusted the times because I, I bought a big map and I mapped out all the talks. I can't remember how many I had. I probably had like 20 different schools, 25 schools over the next few weeks. And so, because it was around orientation. And that's like orientation, like there's talks going on all the time at schools because it's all it's the kids and the parents come in to be oriented to the campus, right? Orientation week, or orientation month. And so that's why there were so many talks booked in a concentrated period of time. But I got a big map. And I mapped it out one time in a hotel room. And I said, oh, my gosh, if I leave at 4 o'clock today, I can get to New Orleans by tomorrow. And if I sleep for two hours from 2 a.m. to 4 a.m., I can get to New Orleans in time to do the talk. And thank goodness I had a van because I would drive in, like, sweatpants and, you know, T-shirt and shorts. And then I'd, I'd pull into the parking lot. I would change in the van. I would walk literally into the school 20 minutes, 30 minutes, one time five minutes before I was supposed to go on stage. I would do the talk, and the, and the coordinators were awesome. I was like, I cannot go over. Like, I, if you have me for 60 minutes, I cannot go for 90 minutes because I'll never make it tomorrow to New York City in time to speak for, you know, John's University up in Jamaica, New York. So I got to like keep this precision timing. And, and then we did, and we pulled it off. And one of my greatest, and I don't really talk about this, but one of my greatest fulfillments as a speaker was that I made all those speeches. I honored them all. We helped a lot of kids in a very tough time. And yeah, it took a toll on my body, man, because I was driving like crazy. I mean, driving 48 straight hours with no sleep to make it to Hoboken, New Jersey, to speak at Stevens Institute of Technology. Um, then, then somebody said, well, were you in Florida? I was like, yeah, I was like three times. Like, cause I had to drive back from like New Jersey to Florida to speak at Florida Atlantic. Yeah. It was like, it was just zigzagging all over, but I'm, we made it, man. We made it. And let me just now go to the flip side of the coin from a business standpoint, financially did very well. Right, if you're averaging three, four, five, seven thousand dollars each talk, and you're doing twenty, here if you're doing five thousand bucks times twenty talks, that's a hundred thousand dollars in three weeks. Mm -hmm. You know, so flip side of the coin, from a business standpoint, it was really well, also, but from the first side of the coin, it was really, um, it was an honor. Yeah, 
be able to do that. And it was my little way of giving back to the country and the world in that terrible situation. In, in, I mean, road, road trips, man, I remember those driving all the time. And, and the thing is, it comes to the, the biggest point, I think, um, when I hear you speak or talk, purpose. I mean, purpose-driven. I mean, that was, you, you developed a purpose. You knew that this 9-11 hit, and you could have just did everybody and say, oh, I'm done. No, I got to cancel. But you, yeah. it's not even the money at that point. It's it, that you said, hey, I got to do this. You know, because this is done those yeah. for free. Yeah. If they say, look, we have no budgets. Our budgets are out because of this 9-11 yeah. thing. And I hate to ask you this, James, but we really need to have a speaker for our kids. I'm like, don't worry, man. I'm there. I, and I, I would have done the same darn thing if nobody paid me a check because it was my way of like giving back. And I think that's important that everybody comes together in a time yeah. of tragedy. And you, you've met so many famous people, so many wealthy people, James, over the years. What, what, what would you define a purpose-driven person to be? Because that, I mean, I, I, it blows my mind, all the people you've been around in the circles. What, what have you seen? What, what drives yeah. it? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I would say, now I'm trying to like go through everybody really quickly in my head, like a right? I would say that, number one, they're doing what they really enjoy doing and love doing. You know, like we had Anthony Hopkins at my Big Money Speaker Boot Camp. I mean, the guy is still acting today. He, like, he's, he was acting at that time 40 years. He was an Academy Award winning actor. 40, he did everything he wanted to do. I mean, he was like the biggest, one of the biggest stars in the world. And he was still doing it. He loved it. He was doing live theater. He was writing movies, writing plays, because he, he just he loved that passion, right? You talk about Michael Jordan, right? He went away for a while with uh, basketball and went and played baseball because I really believe it was a devotion to his dad who always, you know, loved baseball and thought Michael could be a great baseball player. And plus, I think all the pressure he needed some time away with his father being murdered, mm-hmm. you know, and then kind of away from the limelight. But then what happened? He had to come back to his passion, right? The thing he loved to do. So I think first it's the love, right? Second, I think it's your superpower, right? It's a part of uh, your talent, like what you're, I was thinking about this actually the other day, you know, I was like, ah, you know what, maybe I should hang up the marketing and the teaching the people of the flip side of the coin. I've been doing it a while, you know, I've been like 20 years. I've, you know, I've helped a lot of people feel very great. Met a lot of awesome people like yourself and so many other folks. Ah, maybe I ought to just like ride off into the sunset, go sit on the beach, listen to the waves. Right. That, that lasted for about 30 seconds. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, what? you can't do that. You love doing this stuff. You know, you love teaching this stuff. So I, I think I think the first part is, you know, they're doing what they love. The second part are doing what they're good at, right? And what their talent is that drives them, that gets them. See, like this stuff here, talking, coming on this with you, this gets me up in the morning, man. This keeps me fired up and ready to go because I think we're going to help one person yeah. who hears this, right? <laughs> And, and I think the third, the third thing is that they all never hit mastery. Mm, they keep trying to be better. See, once you feel like you've arrived, you stop trying. You stop reading books. You stop coming and listening to great podcasts like this and interviews. You stop hiring coaches, right? You're like, ah, I'm good. <laughs> I've been doing this for 25 years. I'm all right. I'm good. And you, and what, what that does, it, it, it eliminates that spark. Yes. 
and you get into that whole pattern of same old, same old, and I've been doing this, and right? So when you never stop learning, right? There's that old line, if you're not growing, you're dying, right? And I believe that wholeheartedly. And I think people who are on purpose have those three. You know, they love what they do. They're in their zone, if you will, their talent. And number three, they always try to be better and grow within that piece. Yeah. So I think, I think those are common things I've found. You know, and that's, that's an interesting thing because uh, it is scary. You say if you stop learning, you die. And I used to, when I used to coach couples for years and a uh, couple of relationships, it was content. When, when you get content in the relationship, hey, this is what it is. This is where it's going to stay. Um, it's just like anything. You got to put effort into it. You got to keep yeah. working at it. In any relationship, you have to keep having that romance. Romance just doesn't stay there. You have to keep doing it, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. The same thing yeah. in business. You gotta, you gotta cultivate your purpose. You gotta grind. You gotta be gritty. I always use that word. You gotta be gritty. Get up and like grind. And yeah. uh, you know, let let's end this. To I think this is important for them to hear at the end here. With COVID, with everything happening, our cheese was moved. Everything, the whole market crashed. Uh, if I'm a speaker, you've seen this, all your speaker friends overnight, your whole business just went down. I mean, everything was canceled. Um, what would you say mindset and what have you done in this to leave with everybody? Three things you just did in this whole thing. Yeah. So uh, I'll give them three P's, right? The first P is, you know, and it's not just for COVID it's for yeah, any, any tough situation, right? Um, first is don't, don't, um, panic be protective of yourself right if you're in a tough situation like when 9-11 i didn't panic but i was protective i was cautious right of myself of others my family right now with covid i didn't panic because that's the first indication right that's the knee-jerk reaction oh my gosh i gotta run to walmart and buy all the toilet paper right because <laughs> there's not gonna be any more toilet paper ever again in the history of the, the world right? I didn't laugh. You saw people yeah, getting fights over toilet paper. I still didn't understand that. <laughs> so I always like kind of what I do here. I'm going to stand up maybe. Easy. I go like this, right? When, I, when something happens like that, right? I go like this. I literally take a step back and get out of that space, mm -hmm. right? Because when, you, when you're in a space, right? Neurolinguistic programming, that stuff gets anchored into your emotions and your subconscious like, oh my gosh, right? Now that's anchored. And now that's how you think. Mm -hmm. That's what you think from. That's the place you think and feel from. So I like to say, I go like this. I literally go like this. Like, here's the stuff. It all came on me and I push it away and I take one step back and I take a deep breath. Okay. Now let me think through this logically here. Don't panic. All that stuff's right here. It's not on you. It's right here. Don't panic. Think through it and plan. And the first thing I say, you know what? Like everything else in the history of the world, this too will pass. Okay, so that's the first thing I say to myself. This will pass. I don't know when, but it will pass like everything else. SARS has passed. 9-11 has passed. Polio passed. Right? Everything has passed. Right? So this too will pass. Um, and it may take six months, a year, year and a half. But what am I going to do now to plan in those next six to 12 to 18 months, right? And then how am I going to be proactive and be productive during that time so that when it does pass, you flip the switch and cruise into the profit, right? 
And so uh, I'll give you an example. So there's this, um, I'm here in, in Florida at my, my home in Florida, and there's a little um, restaurant mm-hmm. that's probably two miles away. Now think about how many restaurants are around, all kinds. You got Thai food, Italian, all kinds. How many do you think about where you, you and your wife go? Different places, right? Mm-hmm. Tell me if any restaurant ever did this when, uh, I'm sorry, not 9 when COVID hit, okay? When this all happened and you could not go into restaurants anymore, I got a telephone call from the manager that says, hey, you know, we know that you're one of our members because I have a punch card where if I do nine, I get a 10th free, something or free, right? Well, how many restaurants even have a punch card and create a membership club for all their people to keep me coming back? See, that's the business side, right? So I get a phone call from them and says, hey, we understand that you can't leave your home and all that. We just wanted to tell you that we immediately instituted a delivery service and you could still have all of your favorite dishes, all of your favorite foods. We will deliver them to you and you just pay us over the phone with a credit card or even better, here's what they said, or we can take your credit card now, keep it on file. And and if you have certain things you like on certain days, we can keep that on file in our computer and all you have to do is call up and say, hey, it's Friday and I'd like my, you know, XYZ green shake and okay, no problem. We'll run your card and we'll deliver it to you in 20 minutes. And then what happens, they went out and they just hired like college kids and high school kids to deliver stuff. And I can't tell you how many times they said, look, we'll, we'll drop it outside your door, ring your doorbell. And once they see you coming, they will leave. So you don't even have to have any interaction with them or anything. No masks, no gloves. Like they're not coming in your house. They'll, they'll have the, the gloves and masks on, but they're going to leave it outside. And when they see you coming, they'll wave and then they'll jump in. And I'm like, this is freaking phenomenal. Right. And revenue just kept popping for them. And I look at this, Matt, all these other restaurants, not one of them did that. Mm-mm. One of them started delivery service. Not one of them started curbside pickup. Right here. Like here's a restaurant person who said, okay, we're about to like, what are we going to do? We can't panic. We're going to pivot and be proactively productive. And guess what? It's going to help us with profit. Now I must've ordered three times a week from them, maybe four times a week. So if you think about, let's say four times a week times 10, that's 12 times in a month. Right. And over like three or four months, Oh my gosh, that's like 48 orders from me times that by probably a hundred customers. I don't think their revenue suffered too much. So that's what I mean by don't panic, but plan and be proactively productive and cruise into the profit. Yeah. And you know, and it's interesting if you have that plan that you can get it, get going but also i love what you did you innovated instead of there that restaurant was innovative instead of been stuck in it well i would say they weren't thinking like people who prepare food they were thinking like people who run a business um i think one of the things too i've noticed too uh, i've got more done during this time Um, you've been coaching me to get my book done and get all that i actually ended up writing four of them like some little ones i'm proud of you brother i'm proud give me a high five I got the <laughs> I got the uh, seven year one finally done, and then I did the one we were working on, and it was yeah. kind of cool because I was o- I was overthinking it. I was overthinking the book. Remember when we were sitting in a coaching? Yeah. And I was like, okay, and I figured out, and I wrote it in two weeks. 
when I finally just figured out where to get it, how to be resourceful. And then we wrote a quote book and then we wrote some other stuff. And, and so, um, biggest thing. And I, the reason I bring that up is that you can get over barriers, but as we're coming to the end of this, I want them to know where they can go find you, James, what some programs are coming out where this is the, this is the good part. This is the marketing plug it in. Where can they go and find these programs coming out? Where can they find you? Oh, you know, thank you, buddy. But the easiest way is just to remember big, I'll go get close. (laughs) (laughs) Big money speaker com big money speaker.com real simple um, and uh, you'll find all of our programs going to be are going to be listed up there once we finish the sales letters and the videos and all that stuff yeah the easiest way yeah, or on social to- media just James Malinjack yeah you're on social media as well and yeah and yeah. I'm glad you said your last name because I you know I <laughs> mine's easy three words <laughs> yeah. hey hey no worries. I was in I was coming back from Puerto Rico I was speaking in Puerto Rico. I was in uh, the Atlanta airport and uh, cause I was flying somewhere else. Guy comes running up to me. This is probably 10 years ago. Guy comes running up to me. goes, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. The secret millionaire guy, man, you spoke at our company, you know, like a year ago, you changed my life. I'm like, Oh, cool. He said, can I take a picture? I'm like, yeah, man, let's do a picture. We took a picture. And he says, I got to run, but people aren't going to blame. They're going to be so fired up when I get back to the company. And I told him that I bumped into John McElfresh. And yeah. just- <laughs> okay, I don't feel bad now. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go that bad. So. <laughs> John McElfresh, who the heck is John McElfresh? <laughs> At least the way I said it, you were an actor, you know. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I told my friend, Julie Carrier, you know. Yeah, care, yeah. Remember. And her and her husband, Bill, they never let me live that down. Last time, every time I see him, it's like, hey, John McElfresh. <laughs> oh, man. Well, James, I know your time's important. I, I appreciate you being on the show today. And I hope Ooh, you have anything for you, man. Yeah, man. Anything. And now, as I go out, I just always ask, um, do you have a favorite quote to leave everybody? I know I have one, but what's your favorite quote? I do. I think it is the greatest quote ever created. Um, and it was Zig Ziglar's quote, the, the legendary speaker, author, uh, Zig Ziglar, I love it. He just says, you can get anything you want out of life if you simply help enough people get what they want. I love it. What does that talk about? Serving. Yep. And I, I've, I've actually loved that. I've heard that when I was a youth and I've, I've believed it ever since. And yeah. James, thank you so much. Continue to do what you're doing. Um, and thank as you, buddy. Yeah, no, as you're listening to this show, go, go over to... Um, iTunes, give us a five star and make sure that uh, as you go and listen to James, if you really want to know the game of speaking, this is the guy to go towards. Um, speaker coaches, stay away from him. Go to <laughs> go find the person that actually lives it and does it and will teach you the business side of it because um, that's where you want to be. All right. So and if you need anything, check us out. And always remember, don't give up on yourself and those around you and live a life of purpose. Take care, guys. Hey guys, thank you for listening to the Purpose Driven Person podcast. Something I said today resonated with you. Head over to my website. I would love to give you a free gift to download, but you can also email me at purposedrivenperson at gmail.com. And don't forget to head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And remember guys, always continue to push your dreams and never give up. I'll see you next time. Take care.